0: Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to take them and turn with me as we continue on in our journey through the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5 this morning. Our text will be found. We will consider Lord willing, listen, learn from verses 6 through 11, what the Holy Spirit has for us. Ancient words. Long before the foundations of the earth were ever set, long before God ever spoke. Let there be light. He saw you this day. Those of you that are joining us, seated here. Those of you that are listening online, we welcome you. We have to realize that what is happening before us God has been carefully, carefully arranging since the very beginning, very, very beginning. And and I say that because what we have before us, not just a subject and words, but truth that you and I need, need, we need air, we need water and food And we need these words before us this morning. Heavy words, words that I cannot hold and handle myself. And so we will pray. Pray together that the Lord speak and that we, his children, would listen. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we rejoice in who you are. We thank you for this moment that you have arranged for us, whatever setting people are in right now, whatever they're going through. Our prayer is that you would quicken and awaken and sharpen, attune our hearts to be aligned with you. Father, my heart is heavy. I, I pray for those that are in need right now, facing difficult circumstances. I pray for, I pray for our brother Jay Gaunt and Linnell. Be close to them. Remind them of your strength. And your arms wrapped around them. I pray for Tony Byer. I just heard this morning that he's in the hospital. Pray for he and Marcy and give them strength. And minister comfort and healing. I pray, Lord, for Bob Leathers struggling. In illness and sickness. And, and Lord, there are others I do not even know. But as we reminded the little ones this morning, you, you know Everything. And we know that all things work together for good, and we hold on to that promise. And we're able to hold on to that promise, Lord, because of the words that are before us this morning. And we pause and we rejoice in who you are. We thank you, Lord, that what we see placed before us is not forever. But, Lord, your promise is your blessing, your salvation. Your life that is offered through the work of Jesus is what lasts, and we hold on to that, and we look forward, and we have hope in that. Lord, personally, I ask for help. Just please help me to say what you once said. We ask this in the amazing and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I love the book of Romans. I'm I'm beginning to love it more and more. I hope that you're beginning to learn a little bit we've learned about the righteousness of God and what the sinful we could say painful plight of all of mankind apart from God but thankfully chapter 1 verse 17 when we live by faith we choose that by faith alone in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ alone then we are what we are justified we are declared righteous Last week, Mike preached. did an excellent job when reminding us about the benefits of justification, what he called the products. Not only do we have peace with God, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, but as a result of that peace, we now can have hope in the midst of suffering. Even in the midst of a global pandemic that just doesn't seem to be going away, we still can have peace and can have hope Now, now today what we're going to do is we're going to look at, we're going to learn about a word that is described, it's defined and explained in our text that is not mentioned one time in the six verses that we will read. It's the word atonement. Immediately you begin to think, atonement, to atone for and, and automatically, it kind of gets blurry. That's like, that's like a heavy churchy word, atonement. To, to atone for something, to pay for something, to sacrifice maybe, to, to give. Does it have to do with grace? A gift? Let, let me just be very clear. You can't take the gift of your favorite sweater, okay, and match it alongside of atonement. So, so we have to kind of expand our thinking and understanding Nothing comes close to this word, this subject, for it surpasses anything and everything that we could possibly imagine, especially and specifically when we turn our attention, as we will this morning, to the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word atonement is officially defined as reparation for for wrong or injury specifically in our context this morning we're going to think of reparation or expiation for sin take orthodox biblical christianity define atonement we hear the words like this reconciliation of god and humankind through jesus christ we could say it even more simply what is atonement it's god the son satisfying the wrath of god the father out of sheer love for us specifically we're going to look at the when like when does this take place we're going to look at and learn about the who like who who really truly are atoned for the what specifically like what does that mean for us today and then finally the results so there's the outline i want to give to you we're going to dive into the text Follow with me. The words will be on the screen ahead of you. Romans chapter 5, we pick it up in verse 6. Read down through verse 11. Here it is, the word of the Lord. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For, for one, we're, we'll scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of Number one, I want to give to you this morning, is what I call the when. The when of atonement. It says this, while we were still weak. The when. I like this phrase, at the right time. While we were still sinners. I'll begin with this. Timing is everything. Gentlemen, you know when you buy flowers and you offer them, the timing is very important whenever i think about the word timing i think of proverbs in chapter 25 a word that is fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver it's just it it fits perfect it's perfect there are texts of scripture there are portions and passages of scripture that are some level they're they're too good for us they're too great To fully comprehend to fully grasp this is one of those texts the weight of these verses should not only leave us speechless but I would dare say that when we begin to understand the truth of these words it should leave us breathless it takes our breath away why? Because this truth surpasses anything and everything we could ever comprehend. Wrath, like the wrath of God, death, to what? Life, blessing, salvation. And yet it's still more than that. It's, it's more than someone just jumps in to save your life. It's more than that. It, it's it's when your actions, you have done something that actually deserves death, and someone jumps in to save your life. It's actually really hard to illustrate for us to understand why because atonement is so much more it is the single greatest act of grace and mercy that the world has ever and could ever know how do i describe this i grew up with a big brother not just any big brother he was a he is A great big brother he was always bigger than me he was always stronger than me he was always faster than me he was smarter he was funny other guys looked up to him girls loved him and swooned over him now as a little brother I could do one of two things I could one either be constantly jealous of my big brother But reality is, I'll never beat him in the race. Or I could, what, number two, see my big brother as a great advantage, as a great asset to me. Now, it took a while, but I chose the latter. Rather than constantly being jealous, what? I chose to see my big brother my popular big brother the way I describe it is this like a cowboy with a Colt 45 on his hip what happens they walk with a swagger you don't mess with him he's what he's protected I am safe whatever situation I'm in what my brother's got my six I know that my brother has got my back and that was very important because sometimes my mouth could get me in trouble I know that's hard for you to even think one time I was in school and there was a kid in school, his name was Jack. I called him Jackie. He didn't like. Jack was, was uh, kind of big, kind of clumsy. Wasn't real coordinated. Certainly wasn't the smartest guy in the class. Today I will add he is a multi-millionaire, but that doesn't really play in the story right now. I just remember Jack had, Jack had huge... Hands. He was, he was bigger than me, but he was not bigger than my brother. I remember one time at school, I, I said something. And honestly, and we're not going to pause, I honestly, so it doesn't matter, I honestly don't remember what I said, so we're not even going to go right there. All I know is that Jack had me up against the brick wall of the school, And he was just beating the stuffing out of me. When what? When my big brother came in to rescue me. And we're like, that, that, that's cool. But that's not atonement. It's a part of, it's like, it's a part of it. But that's not atonement. You see, what what Scott actually, Scott began to take the punches, the punishments, That really I deserved, And that's cool. And that's still not atonement. It's part of it. Every single illustration. When it comes to the subject of what? Atonement breaks down. Because what? My brother still did not. And has not to this day. Reconciled the relationship between Jack and me. It's beyond him. That that is why this word, this act, this truth is beyond our explanation. What Jesus did is beyond any and all comparison. I cannot illustrate it apart from the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Atonement is that unique. And I want us to hold the weight Of that word this morning in the Old Testament there's many illustrations and examples of of blood sacrifices to atone for sin Leviticus chapter 16 Leviticus chapter 17 on the day of atonement but every single one even even all of those analogies or illustrations eventually what it breaks down because every single sheep or goat or bull that was sacrificed to atone for one sin never rose to to life again to, to speak of it There's nothing that compares to this subject. The cross and the tomb are the only perfect picture of atonement. Paul brilliantly begins with what? He begins with timing. Timing is everything. Think of of Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 3, apart from God intervening in our lives, we are all in trouble. We could say we are all damned. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, there is none righteous. There are none righteous. Repeat it. No, not one. Therefore, what? The right solution fits the right need at the right time. A fire extinguisher is of no value to you unless there's a fire. Right? It's not like, oh, if only I had a fire extinguisher right now, I'd be able to fix this. No, it does, it does one thing. A life jacket is of no value to you unless you're on the water or unless you're in the water. A vaccine is not needed unless there's a virus. There is no need for me to stop and offer you a paddle for your kayak. When you got a flat tire on the side of the road. Why? Because it's the right solution that fits the right need at the right time. When we're weak. When we're sick. One translation would, would, would translate this. When we are stuck. You've been there before? Ephesians 2 would say this. When we are dead in our sins. Well, goodness, what has happened? We have learned. We have suppressed the truth. Foolish hearts of man have been darkened. We exchange the truth of God for a lie. We worship and serve creatures more than the creator. Our hearts are full of envy and murder and strife and deceit. And the list is long. It describes what our hard heart our impenitent heart. We're actually storing up wrath for ourselves. We obey unrighteousness. So much so that in Romans chapter 2, what? There will be wrath and fury. Absolute, desperate, desperate darkness is the perfect time for light. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. First question I ask is like, what? what about all the other dark times before that dark time like, like I know that at the right time but what about all the other horrible times what about what about the the day of of, of Noah that was like a pretty dark time what why didn't why why wasn't the Savior born then it was pretty desperate well, what about Sodom and Gomorrah what about, what about the oppression and slavery and bondage of Egypt that was pretty dark It was pretty miserable How about the the Babylonian? How about the, the, the place of Nineveh? Why? Why? Because it wasn't the right time. It wasn't the precise moment. Another translation actually reads, while we were still without strength. Which means up until that moment, people thought they were still good to go on their own. They had to get drained. You and I have to get drained of everything. There is no hope. You can't save someone who doesn't want to be saved. And God knew at the most, what, precise, desperate, dark moments. Perfect time. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that all the world should be taxed. Luke chapter 2. And we read about this, what? So, so it, it was, everyone was waiting for Caesar Augustus. No. Augustus was what, he was a pawn in the hand. He was, he was dicing the God, God was aligning everything. The when. Perfect. Precise moment. Who, who? The who? Who like who now is atoned for? Very quickly it says well, there's a broad stroke of the brush, the ungodly. It says, while we were enemies, we read in verse 10. Now, at at first glance, with a quick read, when we hear, when all of us hear this this phrase, Christ died for the ungodly, we can immediately fill in the blank. Fill in the blank with that name. That's right, that's right. I know, Jack, he needs his sins atoned for. Right? Right? That's how we begin to think. It's difficult to understand. It's almost impossible to comprehend. So amazing is this atonement. Paul actually is revealing the challenge, trying to wrap his mind, therefore wrap our minds, around the atoning love of God the Father and the sacrificial death of God the Son. How does he do that? Listen carefully. One, one will scarcely die for a righteous person. One's going to scarcely die for a good person. But, but God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, it makes perfect sense for us, for you, To sacrifice your own life for the loved and the lovely. I I have very little doubt that any one of you right here today, any one of you listening, I have very little doubt that any one of you would jump into an icy river in a moment to save the life of a little child who fell in. I think, I think any one of you, it'd be like, whoa, it's going to be tough. It's going to be cold. But you will do that. We, we sacrifice for the little, the loved, the adorable, the precious. I have little doubt that husbands would, would what, I have little doubt that you would step in front of your wife to take a bullet for her if somebody pointed a loaded gun. I have little doubt that's what we do. You'd push a little old lady out of what? The way of an oncoming bus, an oncoming truck. Because what that's that's what we do. It's it's like we we do that for those that are lovely, those that are loved. But what what's happening here? It makes no logical sense to do the same for a terrorist. It makes no logical sense. You'll do it for an adorable little, but you're not going to do it for a convicted felon, a drug dealer. Somebody who's locked up because he hurt children. We're like, no, no, they get that. We're not talking about justice. They deserve justice. but We're not going to sacrifice ourselves. I'm not going to take off my shoes and jump in the river to save you. That's the way that we think. What's happening? Remember the entire setting, the purpose of the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul is writing to set the record straight on clear theological accuracy, doctrinal integrity. Particularly when it comes to the subject of soteriology or salvation. Why? Because there's two groups that existed in the church. Primarily there were the Jews who thought that strict adherence to the law was necessary for their salvation. And the Gentiles that said what? Grace abounds all the more. What's interesting is that with these two groups existing in one church, both of them thought that they were right. Does that ever sound similar today? Like, wait a minute, same church, different views. I'm right. I, all I know is that I'm right. Right? Thus, what? Paul's continued argument. All fall short of the glory of God. What did we just read? We read this. Remember, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. English lesson. Let's just stop right here and pause on two pronouns. Us. And we, we did not read, it does not say, while they were sinners, Christ died for them. We can't pick and choose, people. That's, that's not your call. Thinking about, well, that person over there, yeah, we better pray their sins are atoned for, Jack. That guy, that girl, do you know what she said? They need their sins atoned for so so glad jesus died on the cross for that no 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 no. with the church of jesus christ has got to get down we've got to nail this down is that you need to be atoned for and i do that my sins my sins don't look at anyone else our sins that we actually lead the pack The Apostle Paul, I think you'd agree with me, pretty impressive resume. I, 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 I would love to, like, just be the guy that gives him his water bottle. Like, just, just, just like, the, Paul is like that. And what, what is the exact phrase? Romans chapter 7, verse 24. We'll read this. Oh, oh Paul himself says, Oh, wretched man that I am. And that's, that's like, that's the Apostle Paul. The prophet Isaiah, the one that God had anointed and chosen to be his own mouthpiece, to speak his own words for him in a day and time that needed it desperately. What? Isaiah chapter 6 had a vision and saw the Lord. High and lifted up. Remember, he falls down. Holy, holy, and and what he what does he say? Woe is me! I am, I am lost. Another translation says, "I am undone." Another translation says, "I am a wreck." I'm a man of unclean lips. And yet this is one that God has chosen and anointed. And yet the Apostle Paul and the prophet Isaiah speak like this. The Westminster Catechism of Faith, chapter 9, section 3, says this, and I quote. Man, this is very key. Man, by his fall into a state of sin, hath wholly lost All ability of will to do any spiritual good accompanying salvation. So as a natural man being altogether averse from that good and dead in sin is not able by his own strength to convert himself or to prepare himself thereunto. It's, it's what the translate. there's nothing that we in ourselves can do. It's why I believe it is of utmost importance to teach the doctrine of what we call total depravity. It reflects the viewpoint of original sin. Now we hear that, and there's a lot of confusion, believe it or not, around that term, original sin. People oftentimes misunderstand it to assume that it's just referring to the first sin. Any church, okay, worth its salt... Any church that that holds to the authority of Scripture would, would all agree that something seriously bad happened in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve ate the fruit. Okay, something bad happened, something serious happened to all of humankind as a result of that. We would all agree, but that's, that, that act, that's not original sin as referred to historically in the church. Rather, the doctrine of original sin defines the consequences to the human race because of that first or that original sin. So when we hear what we hold to, the doctrine of original, it's the consequence of that act, of that Sin of that mess. What what is it? The very next chapter, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, we will read this. And we'll pause on this. For the wages of sin is... what, What does sin earn? Death. The wages of sin is... Death. The consequence of original sin has made the unfortunate state, regardless of, of, of how wonderful that you think you are in and of your own strength. The consequence of original sin has made the unfortunate state of what? It actually describes us as being at enmity. Enemies of God. That's why Paul adds, while we were enemies, and we just don't go there. Like, wait a minute, God and I are on the same team. No, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Colossians chapter 1, Paul adds, are, are you, uh, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. In order to present you holy. So, so that he can present you blameless and above reproach before him. Thus, thus, the magnificence. Thus, the extravagance of the what. Point number three is atonement. What, what is it? We have now been justified by his blood. Saved by him from the wrath to come and reconciled, it says in verse 10, to God by the death of his son. See, we we are taught, we are conditioned since we were very, very little that we sacrifice for what? We sacrifice for our family. We, We sacrifice for our country. Like we're, we're taught that from little... We sacrifice for our community, our church, our school, our team. But you do not sacrifice for the other guy. You don't sacrifice for the bad guy. You don't sacrifice for the enemy. We fly our flag. And we wear what? We wear our, jer- our team's jersey. Not so. Not so... When it comes to the atonement that is offered through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know some of you are asking, and and just pause real quick. I am not going to exhaust the argument at this moment of limited versus unlimited atonement. Okay, I'm not going to necessarily. We know that God's blood is sufficient to save all. We know ultimately why it covers every single person who desires to be covered. We know that... At some level, many choose to reject. The truth we want to hold on to is I want you to remember these six words. I want you to remember these six words this morning. God so loved the whole world. Six words. What'd you learn about this morning? Is it some big word? I don't really know. Like it's something. What'd you you do into this morning? I went to church. Would you learn it? I don't really know. But I do remember this. I remember six words. God so loved the whole world. Well, let's see. How, How does God show everyone that He loved them? We have now been justified it just he just began. we've been what that is declared righteous remember this we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about a month ago we're not made righteous we are declared righteous it's Jesus's work that is sufficient not mine not yours we've been justified and it says by his blood and many would say Okay, like, this is where I went off the bus. Okay, like, you guys talk about this whole blood thing, like, a lot, and that's just creepy. Little cups, you're talking about, like, the drinking of what... It's just, like, people want to get off when it says, like, this whole blood thing. This is to... We can't just get off the bus here. You go all the way back to the beginning. Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden. What? Perfect perfection. Yet there's a fall into sin. And what is the result there? At some level, is immediately there's a sense of guilt. Husband and wife, it says that they were, what, they ate the fruit. It says that they were now naked and ashamed. Like they weren't aware of that before. But all of a sudden, listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 3. And he ate, that's Adam, following his wife Eve. There's a there's something inverted problem and he ate listen to this in Genesis 3 7 then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together to make loincloths the first thing that they did the old king James says that they sewed fig leaves together to make aprons you know and do some cooking, honey? It, it says that they made fig leaves together to cover themselves. I, I won't go into the detail here, okay? But I think it's pretty safe to assume that fig leaves are probably not going to do a great job of covering you up. Fig leaves. By the end of that chapter, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21, listen to this. God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Like, why is this important? Because something had to die. Blood had to be shed. To what? To cover the shame of their sin. It wasn't long after that that what? Adam and Eve have two sons, Cain and Abel. They worshiped God by giving an offering, a sacrifice to the Lord. And, and what? There was a problem. There was a problem with one of the sacrifices. It actually says this. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Why? Why? You know how you play rock, paper, scissors, like rock, paper, scissors? Remember this. Sheep beats turnip every day. Lamb always, Lamb always beats turnip. You can't, you can't even compare the two. Here you go, Lord. No, no, no. It wasn't what God has no regard for that. There's no blood that was shed. That's that's the situation that is at hand here. Later on, when the priesthood, what? The sacrificial system was established. what The Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur. The high priest would set apart one day. And he would go and he would sprinkle the blood. Uh, Creepy. Yeah, but that's what he did. On the mercy seat, to atone for the sins of the people. But it was, what? It was temporary. It had to happen again and again and again and over and over and over again. But when Jesus, John chapter 1, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, when Jesus, Hebrews chapter 4 would say, the great high priest Atoned for your sin and my sin on the cross. He cries out in John chapter 19. It is finished. The greatest words. To know that the recklessness of your life and my life. Any thought in any decision. Any stupid thing that we've ever said or done. Any act that we've ever committed. When we put our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ it says you've been saved by him from the wrath to come he put an end to the sacrificial system that had to happen over and over and over and over and over again you just pause on that, and I understand, like, man, this is kind of like heavy, man, you're amped up about this. We don't address the subject of the fact that you and I have been saved this morning from the wrath that is to come, that is due us. Like, we just it just doesn't sell well, the wrath of God. First it's blood, and now it's wrath. Jonathan Edwards, one of my heroes, is referred to as the, the pastor who packed the pews while preaching on the wrath of God. Started preaching at 19 years old, first great awakening. At the end of his ministry, God used him, anointed him. What? There was, it was almost 10% of all of New England that just fell to their knees and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And what? A revival just spread like wildfire. You realize that, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not busting on Jonathan Edwards, okay? But the guy, he really kind of just focused his ministry on one word, on one subject, and it was the wrath of God. He, 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 almost, he almost preached like three messages just over and over and over and over again. He just like, he, he, just, he knew that this was subject. And it's like the church, well, that's not going to. The same way that people today, you undress that subject. Listen to what he writes in one sermon called wrath to the uttermost. There's an attractive little title to fill the pews up. L- listen, listen to these words and hold on to them as a reminder of what God has done for you today. The soul will be, as it were, utterly crushed. The wrath will be wholly intolerable. It must sink and utterly sink and will have no more strength to keep itself from sinking than a worm would have to keep itself from being crushed under the weight of a mountain. The wrath will be so great, so mighty and powerful as to wholly abolish all manner of welfare. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. When persons shall have filled up the measure of their sin, that wrath will come upon them, which is eternal. There is no end to it. Now, now again, this is heavy understand. Listening to understand. I was reading a message just this week, and, and it was called, Save from What? And an idea, it, was, it, it, it talked about the fact that, that God has actually saved us from God. you comprehend that like god's holiness our unholiness so much that that god is in his grace has saved us from himself from himself how we have been reconciled brought together to god by the death of his son our debt has been paid. Sin is covered. Jesus. Only Jesus is sufficient. Why? Because He alone is perfectly holy. Sinless. Without spot. Without blemish. Worthy. We cry in Revelation chapter 5. Worthy. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. All of that. All of that. And just real quick. I know. Final verse. Look at the result of atonement. More than that. More than all of that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Anything sound familiar there? We we, we rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Just last week, Mike preached on the fact that what? We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, which brings us hope. Even in the midst of suffering... Now you you gotta you got you gotta see something here that the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus just keeps coming up over and over and over and over again. And yet people still to this day ignore him. I'm gonna pause by asking this question. Do, do, do you rejoice? Like where's your like level right now? On yeah, I'm, I'm just rejoicing. This stinks around me. Yeah, I don't know if you know what's happening, but this stinks. And it, at some level, it seems like our whole like rejoicing is just like dump. There is not a lot. It's just dark out there. No, no. <laughs> do you realize? Do you realize the blessing, the good news that exists? Here, the amazing, amazing atonement that is offered to the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet you're pointing at somebody else oftentimes. They're grumbling, worrying, fretting in fear, probably more suffering, Death. No, no. Do, do you see the beauty and the amazement of the atonement of God? Today, I invite you, first and foremost, to confess. And, and it begins with me. I, I have not been rejoicing at the level that I need to rejoice. That's why we need this truth. We confess. I invite you, Lord, forgive me because I have not been concentrating on you. I've been concentrating on me and my circumstances, and I've been pointing fingers at others. So I invite you to rejoice. Trust today. The Lord Jesus Christ, accept him as the only one that could ever pay the price for your sin and free you from the wrath to come, not only from the wrath to come today, tomorrow, but forever and ever and ever. And we rejoice in that. And we celebrate. And so I, I would encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your own heart and say, you know what, I, it's not been, it's not been the most cheery. And I, and I think what we need to do is we need to recalibrate, we need to refocus on big picture stuff and we need to rejoice in the greatest gift that could ever be given. The fact that our own sins have been atoned for, that the love of God the Father, offering, what, his own son to sacrificially die on your behalf and my behalf to, what, reconcile us together. Rejoice, rejoice, sing in that good news. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace and patience with us. Lord, forgive us. Forgive me. We have a tendency at times to kind of lean towards the dark. And today, this morning, praise God. We see the goodness and grace of your love, your light, and the life that is offered through the work of Jesus. Thank you for that. Bless us. In your name we pray. Amen.